I'm continuing today talking to us about maximized Christianity. We began last week talking about the aspect that we have been made an heir, the Bible says, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We talked about what that means in our life, how that we are born into the kingdom of God, how that you and I live in the freedom that God has purchased for us and given for us. And so as we looked at that last week, we began to understand that we really can live that John 10, 10 life, that life that, that is just so over the top that, that it really becomes fun to be a Christian. And, and so today we're going to continue that. And as we go into that today, I want to talk to you about activating your inheritance today. If I've got an inheritance that we talked about last week, how do I go about activating that inheritance? Uh, let me say hello to our campuses this morning. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. In all of our campuses, we know that God is doing great things. We're excited week by week to hear the good reports of what's happening there. Now we're going together into the Word of God today. I I'm going to be talking today about some specific aspects of how that you move into what God has for you. Would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Acts, the 26th chapter? Acts chapter 26, and we'll start there. We'll move through quickly through several passages of Scripture. Uh, Acts 26, 18 says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. That's what God does when we come into His kingdom and begin to live this maximized Christianity. And from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins, thank God for that, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. If I'm going to activate my inheritance, this inheritance that I've been given, now I want to tell you, you may, you may be standing to inherit some great things from some relatives or, or from somebody in your family, but I'm telling you what we inherit from God Almighty is greater than anything that anybody has ever inherited upon this earth. And, and so when I go into that, how do I get there? How do I activate that? Well, first of all, is the Scripture there says I have to operate in faith. I have to come by faith to receive what God has. It's not by what I can do. It is by faith in what Jesus Christ has already done. And so when I begin to understand that, I, I don't try to work my way into salvation. The Word of God says it's by grace through faith that we're saved, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any of us should boast. So it's not about what I can do, but I'm operating in this dimension of faith. Now watch what faith is. Faith is believing what God says more than what you see. Did, did you hear that? It's believing what God says more than the circumstances that are around me. And so the circumstances may say, uh, you're not getting very far in this. The circumstances may say things are bad, on and on and on. But God's Word says that I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave Himself for me. The Word of God tells me all of these things. And so as I do that, then I begin to operate in faith on a daily basis. But as I operate in faith, and I've got to do a few things. Psalm, the second chapter, and the eighth verse. And, and I, I won't take time to read all this because I'm going to be in a, in a hurry today. Uh, but, but it just says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. And it goes on to that. But, but the, the aspect here that I want you to see is if you want your inheritance, you have to ask him. You have to ask for it. It's, it's not enough just to know that I'm blessed. How many of you know that when you get saved, you have to ask to be saved? Right? I mean, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for everybody's sin 2,000 years ago. 
There is no one upon the earth that God will not forgive because Jesus Christ has already paid the price. The issue is whether or not we are going to ask for it. And so it's the same way in our inheritance in the kingdom of God. If God truly has given unto me all things that pertains to life and to godliness, that's everything I've got in my life, then how do I receive that? Well, I receive that when I ask for it. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you, the Word of God says. And so I've got, I've got to be willing. When I read the Scripture and it says uh, that He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer, and I'm sick, then I have to ask. I don't just say, well, the Bible says it. Oh, that's great. No, 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 I have to ask for it. You remember in Scripture where the Word of God says that a, that a man brought his son to the disciples and he wanted them to heal his son, and the Scripture says his sons couldn't do it. But when Jesus showed up, he went to Jesus and said, I asked your disciples, and they couldn't do it, and now I come to you. See, sometimes you have to continue. The, the Scripture goes on to say that there was a widow uh, who had, had some things happen in her life, and, and she was needing some recompense for that. And said so she went to the judge, and she asked him uh, to take care of the issue. And the Bible says the judge ignored her. And she kept, just kept going back day after day after day. And finally, the judge said, I do not fear God nor man, but, but because of her continual coming, I will give her what she ask for and it says how much more will your heavenly father so what the deal is is that if I want to receive what the word of God tells me are his blessings and there are thousands of them listed in scripture then I have to know what they are and then I have to ask for them to be released in my life the third thing that you have to do is the, the word of God in Hebrews the first chapter and the 14th verse says this it says are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation now I'm gonna get a little far out on this one all right some of you were with me until now now we're gonna talk about angels and people go "Oh, I don't know if I believe in angels you don't have to they're still real all right what we need to do is we need to learn to release the heavenly host the, the Word of God says that. The Word of God says that the angels are ministering spirits. Now, that doesn't mean that we order the angels around, but what it means is, is that we release the power of God to direct angels to go forth on our behalf because the Scripture says they serve those who will inherit salvation. All through Scripture, you find God sending angels at different times in different places to enable or to bring a word or bring direction or, or to bring deliverance God did that on those who were heirs of salvation and so that's who we are we are heirs of salvation and so because of that we have a right to believe that the angelic host of God is going forth on our behalf to bring forth what God wants to do for us Matthew 5, 5, the next one here, Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What we have to do now is we have to understand that in all of these things I'm talking about, if I want to inherit what God has for me, I have to walk in humility. I have to understand, like I talked about last week, that He is Jehovah Jireh. That means He is my provider. And so I look to Him for all provision. 
I do not go around in my life saying, look at what I can do. Look at what I've done. No, it is through the grace of God. And as I look to God, I walk in that humility and everything about my life. I'm just saying Jehovah Jireh has got to show up. God my portion, God my strength, God my help, whatever it is. If I have a financial need, I believe that he is my provider. If, if I have a physical need, I believe that he is my provider. If I have a situation in my family or in my marriage, I believe that he is my provider. Whatever that I'm going through, if I will understand this walk of humility that, Lord, I am trusting in you. Here's what the Bible says. The Word of God says, without Him, speaking of God, without Him, you can do nothing. It didn't say you could do a few things. It did not say you could do those insignificant things. See, what you have to understand, if God takes His hand off of your life for one second, it's over. So without him, we can do nothing. So if I'm going to have this inheritance that God has called me into, then, then there is something that we have to understand about operating in this inheritance. So if you have your Bibles, look in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, or your iPad, whatever you've got the Word of God on. Ephesians chapter 1, and, and I want to read to you a, a few verses here, beginning in verse 12 through verse 14. It says, in order that we who were first put, who, who, who were there, let me start again. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Now, here's what the scripture is saying. When you heard the word of God, you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you were in Christ, you receive the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Then it says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, verse 14 is one of the most interesting passages in Scripture. And it's repeated in John and, and 1 Corinthians and some other places as well. It says, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Now, I'm going to break it down, so don't worry about it if you kind of got lost there for a minute. The, the, the Word of God says here that the Holy Spirit is our guarantor. Now, what that means is, is that when God releases the Holy Spirit into our life, it is guaranteeing unto us that we are the children of God and that we have a right to everything that God has. Now, don't miss that. Everything that God has comes through this guarantor, this one who is the given unto us and who the Scripture talks about that we are given that through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And so when, when we begin to know that, we begin to operate in a different manner. Now, today I'm talking to you about how that you activate this inheritance. If I have this inheritance, how do I activate it? Well, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantor of what God is doing in your life. So how do I get there? How do I live in that? Well, the, the Word of God tells us some things about the Holy Spirit. 
All right? And, and I want to share those with you real quickly. I, I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit does in your life. If it is the guarantee of what God is doing, then what does the Holy Spirit do when it comes into my life? Well, Acts 1 and 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is that it brings power. All right? And I don't know about you, I'm like Tim, the tool man Taylor. I need more power, all right? I know that goes back a few years. I, I need more power. I want the power of God Almighty. But it doesn't just bring power according to Scripture. The book of John, the 14th chapter, and the 16th verse says, Jesus talking here, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. So the second thing that it does is that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, one translation says. It, it, it comforts us when we are going through times of difficulty. There are moments in your life when you need the Spirit of God to show up and comfort you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When I receive this guarantee that God says is mine, then I can believe that God is going to comfort me when I need to be comforted. But not only does it bring power, not only does it bring comfort, the third thing that it brings, again, according to John, the 16th chapter and the 13th verse, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, now it's talking about the Holy Spirit, it says he will guide you into all truth, and it says he will not speak of his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you, the scripture says there, he's going to tell you about Jesus Christ. He's, he's going to break that in, into your life and, and let you know that. So the, the third aspect that we see here is that the, that the Holy Spirit brings truth into our life. Amen. How many of you know that just because you got saved, does not mean that there's not some areas of your life that truth is not operating in. Amen. See, we, we get a little nervous when we talk about this, but we have to understand that the reason that we need truth in our life is so that we can walk in the fullness that God has for us. Truth is not about keeping us bound. Truth is about setting us free. You will know the truth and what? The truth will set you free. People say, truth sets you free. No, it doesn't. You say, Pastor, you just said it did. No, I didn't. It says the truth that you know will set you free. But when the Holy Spirit baptism is poured out, the Word of God says that truth comes into your life and it guides you and leads you. And then the Word of God says one more thing. John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. All right? So the fourth thing that the Holy Spirit does, and there's many more, but I'm just taking time for four of them today, is, is that the Holy Spirit teaches us. There, there are aspects of our life that we don't know how to do. We don't know how to operate. We don't know how to live. And the Word of God says when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said it's not good that I stay with you. I need to go away so that the Holy Spirit can be sent. And so when I understand that and I allow the Holy Spirit to come, then he begins to teach me. There, there are aspects. Would, would it not have been great if that the day that you have been born, God would have given a jump drive to you and you just plug it in and every day it would tell you every decision to make? Would that not have been cool? Oh, come on. 
I mean, that'd been great. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to work? How am I? I mean, all those things. That would, and you, so that's kind of crazy. Well, God could do it. He's God. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning, so he, know, he knows exactly what's going to be happening. But he didn't do that. He gave us his word that we're to, to study, but then he gave us the Holy Spirit that day in and day out teaches us, and if we'll learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, then we can begin to understand what God is saying. Now, th there's this whole aspect of the Holy Spirit that, that sometimes creates a, a, a little difficulty for people. Now, let me explain something to you. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day that the church was inaugurated. Today is the day, 2,000 plus years ago, where the Word of God says they were gathered together in the upper room and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And, and there, there is, is the ushering in of the church in that dimension. And so, and so today we celebrate that. Today we come and, and we celebrate what God is doing. But as we do that, we, we have to experience the same thing that the New Testament church did. Listen, I don't want any less than the apostles had. If, if I can activate my inheritance the way that the apostles did, the way that the early disciples did, then I want everything they've got. I mean, I've had people say, well, you know, God used to do miracles. God used to do great things, but he doesn't do that anymore. Really? Well, then I wish I'd been born 2,000 years ago, right? Because I want that stuff. I enjoy that. I, I like to know that God is a miracle worker, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I like that, all right? And so I don't believe that God did some things back here, but he doesn't do those things anymore. And so when you begin to study the New Testament church, you find out that some things happen. On the day of Pentecost, there's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says uh, that they're gathered together. There's a sound of a rushing mighty wind. It fills the house. And, and, and it, the Word of God says that they begin to speak in tongues and magnify God. There's this great crowd that gathers around. And they said, what in the world is going on? And some people said, well, they're drunk. And others said, they're crazy and all of this but the apostle Peter stood up and he said we are not drunk like you think we are he said this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days says the Lord I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh said so your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions and upon my handmaidens and my servants I will pour out my spirit says the Lord so, so he's, he's telling them what's happening. And then the Bible says that they are convicted in their heart, and they said, what do we do? How, how do we enter into this? And the apostle Peter, Acts 2, 38 and 39, he says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In, in other words, he, here's what you have to understand. When you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, when you ask him to forgive you of your sins, the next thing that automatically should happen in the life of a person who gets committed to Christ is that they ought to be baptized in water. I mean, time and again in Scripture, you see people's lives being changed. They come in relationship with Jesus Christ, and the very next thing they do is they get baptized in water. That's not what the sermon's about, but that needs to be said, okay? And, and so water baptism is next. And, and then he said, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and activating our inheritance. Jesus said, uh, excuse me, Peter said, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he's, he makes another statement in verse uh, 39 here. He says, the promise 
is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, I want you to, I want you to see one word there, promise. He said, the promise is for you. Well, what is the promise? Well, the promise is salvation. No, 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 it's not. Uh-oh. You say, well, pastor, I, I thought it was the, no. Let's, let's, how many of you know you need to interpret Scripture by Scripture? Right? You don't interpret Scripture by theology. You don't interpret Scripture by what somebody thinks. You interpret Scripture by the Word of God. So let's back up and find out what the promise is in Acts chapter 1. Look in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, or just look at the screens. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. Now, he's going to tell us what the promise is. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what is Jesus saying? When he says this promise is for you, for your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, he is saying not the promise of salvation. From, from Genesis on is the promise of salvation. Salvation is, is clear in the Old Testament and into the New Testament. It's clear. But there is something distinct about the promise that Jesus talks about. He says, it's the promise that my father talked about, and it is the Holy Spirit. In the book of John, it also says at another time, it says that he was gathered with his disciples, and the Word of God says he breathed on them. It's the same word breath there that is found in the book of Genesis when God breathed into Adam the breath of living life. It's pneuma. It's the breath of living life. And so God, the, Jesus at that point breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit spirit all right so the holy spirit is what god has promised us i'm i'm saved we we've got that we understand that but if i'm going to truly activate this inheritance then i want the promise why because the promise is going to teach me, it's going to comfort me, it's going to give me truth, it's going to bring all of these things into my life as I activate this Holy Spirit. Well, watch what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, and this is going to mess with some of you, the Apostle Paul said, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than everybody in here. He said, I don't care how much, now some people say, I don't believe in that speaking in tongues. Hang on, we'll talk about it. But the Apostle Paul said this whole aspect of speaking in tongues, he said, I thank God that I do, do it more than anybody. And here's why. Because in another place, he says, when you pray in tongues, when you are, allow the baptism of the Holy Spirit to happen in your life, he says, when you do that, he said, you're edified, you're built up, you're strengthened, you're encouraged when that happens in your life. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit baptism, we have to kind of wade through some theological minefields. We kind of have to look at some teaching that has gone on through the body of Christ for years and people's mindsets. But what I want to do today is I just want to show you Scripture. All right? I want to show you Scripture that tells us what happens when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Word of God lets us know that there's more than one baptism. The Bible talks about the doctrine of bab 
baptisms, plural, all right? We know of baptism in water. We got that one. But there are other baptisms that the Scripture talks about, and one of those is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of Acts, the second chapter, said they're gathered together. Jesus had told them, go and wait for the promise. We already talked about what that promise is. It's the Holy Spirit. They're waiting for the promise. Now, these are guys, let me, let me do this quickly. These are guys who have prophesied. They've raised the dead. They've healed the sick. They've done all kinds of things. But Jesus said, go and wait for the promise. And Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When the Holy Spirit baptism was poured out, the Word of God says that they spake with tongues. All right? Acts 10, 46, this is Peter at the household of Cornelius. Cornelius has heard from God. An angel came to Cornelius and said, send for Peter. Peter's up on top of a rooftop. It's time to eat. Peter has a vision three times that tells him to go to Cornelius, who is a Gentile, go to his house. The Word of God says that while Peter was yet speaking, while he was preaching to them about Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And then Acts 10, 46, and again, I just want to show you Scripture, says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Acts chapter 2, they speak in tongues. Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Spirit baptism happens, they speak in tongues. Acts chapter 11, verse 16, just as a, a recounting of this, Peter says, Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He, he says, Now I saw this happen, I heard them speak with tongues, and now I remember what John said about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You go a few more chapters into the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. Now understand, this is a chronological happening throughout the life of the New Testament church. We started when the New Testament church began in Acts chapter 2, and we're now way down the road many years later in Acts chapter 19, and the Bible says Paul, meaning certain disciples of John, said to them, now watch what he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Don't miss it. Because a lot of us are taught that when we get saved, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But Paul, meeting these disciples, said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? He said there is a subsequent happening after conversion. Let me, let me prove it to you. The book of Acts, the 8th chapter, says this. It said, Philip went down to Samaria to preach the gospel, and as he is there, the Word of God is spread. People's lives are changed. Things are happening, dynamic miracle signs and wonders. But it says they, they sent word back to the apostles because the Holy Spirit had not yet been given to them. They had only, been, they had only repented and been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Scripture said when the apostles got there, they laid hands on them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense? Because I want you to get it. What, what we're saying is, is that scriptural proof tells us that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is subsequent to conversion. It's after you come into the kingdom of God. It's after you get saved. That the Word of God tells us that there is this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is the activator of this maximized Christianity that God has called us to live in. 
Acts 19.6, and this is happening here with, with uh, the Apostle Paul. It said, when he placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, you say, Pastor, what, what, what is all of this about? Well, here's what it's about. It's about activating everything that God has for us. How many of you know that there, there are certain, if, if, a, if a woman is making bread or a man is making bread, that there's an activator that you have to put in that to make the bread rise? Right? Something to bring about the fullness. Don't miss it. You, you have all the ingredients laying on the table. You got the flour, you got it. I mean, every, everything is there. But if you want that dough to reach its full potential, you got to activate it. You got to put some yeast in it and let it blow up. The activator, that thing which enables it, doesn't mean that, that all the ingredients aren't there. It doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. It doesn't mean that I'm not living for God. It just means that if I want to receive power, I have to allow the activator to come. And so when it comes, there is a consistent sign of his coming into our life, and that is they spake with tongues. I don't know why we fight that so much. I don't know why that's such a controversy in the church. I don't know why people say, well, that's of the devil. Really? Do you think the devil's going to do anything good? Right? People say, well, I'm, I'm afraid if I ask for the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll, I'll get something from the devil. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, if you then being evil, talking about mankind, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to them who ask Him the Holy Spirit? I want to tell you today, God wants us to be activated. He wants us to receive the fullness of everything that he has for us and here's what's wonderful about the holy spirit when he when he the holy spirit has come it's not a one-time thing he lives in us he dwells in us and this activity of the holy spirit this praying in the spirit is something that we can do time and time and time again i'm kind of like the apostle paul i thank god that i speak in tongues more than you all Amen? Because I have learned that in those moments of praying in the Spirit, that something happens that takes me to another level Amen. of faith, of trust, of obedience with God. Amen. It is in those moments that I'm activated and the potential that God has for my life is released and I'm able to step up and I go from glory to glory. The Bible says. Amen.